but yeah, so let's take this in a different direction uh, in our introduction because uh, last week we missed uploading an episode um, because uh, I, I was really busy. Um, but COVID we don't times, have to, people are busy. We don't. Yeah, it's allowed. We also don't have to explain ourselves to our twenty listeners. Yeah, what the um, fuck? What are they doing? <laughs> so, um, but let's just jump straight into it. Um, this is episode uh, episode six of the Losing Track podcast with your uh, host Brandon and co-host Byron. Hi, there he is. Hello. Joined by um, our good buddy Cameron Murdoch. What's up, Cameron? Hello. How's it going? Of the good. MKE's worst podcast. That's oh, me. Yeah. yeah. Formerly of MKE's worst podcast. Now RIP. Rest in peace. Can't oh. wait for the next app. Now landlord extraordinaire. That slumlord. <laughs> I can cut that out if you want me to. No. <laughs> That's fine. Add more. Um, so, um, Byron, what have you been watching? What have you been watching lately? Because we're going to talk about movies today, but a specific movie. But let's um, let's just talk about uh, movies first. Movies plural. Uh, yeah. May I, if if I may? Ahead, yes, Cameron. Cameron, by the way. Oh, hey, I okay. Just, yeah, I just I don't know, like rolled like it or tunnel. something, and it's just like I just have to wear this at night so that it heals. I don't know. I it's fine. Like but that. uh <laughs> I thought maybe you were bowling. <laughs> uh last night my girlfriend and I watched uh The Notebook. You know, a movie that I have not seen since uh it first came out. I've never but seen it. We watched it. She was pretty upset at the end, so I naturally turned on an episode of Eastbound and Down to kind of bring the mood back up. <laughs> and it worked like a charm. Uh I haven't seen The Notebook in uh a very long time. Yeah. Um, and um I, I was I was thinking about it actually the other day because I I didn't realize that Rachel McAdams was the lead of that movie. Oh um, yeah. And I was um watching something else with her and it uh, same with the guy from uh, Entourage, he's in it. He's uh Ryan Gosling's best friend. Entourage James Marsden. Is that him? Yeah, of uh recently um the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah. Cameron, did you see Sonic the Hedgehog? No. You I should think see we're, it. We're fans of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> what like happened it. with it? Because didn't they have to rework the whole thing? So they had to redo the CGI because people complained about the Sonic design. It wasn't It wasn't a great design. It looked like shit. He had human right. teeth, weird face. He looks way more cartoony in the movie now. So it's pretty good. Um, I saw it with Jaden. She cried like four times. Whoa. I also cried. Brandon cried. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of product placement, but that's okay because it's a kid movie. So yeah, Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's he's his, in it. That, he is in it. James Marsden, and then Sonic is in it, of course. Yeah, Sonic uh, played by Sonic. Oh um, no, James Marsden is uh is West her World. is her boyfriend in uh he's not an entourage. I don't, think, I, say, I don't think he's an entourage. I, 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 okay, okay. I didn't watch with, Entourage. You have him confused with Adrian You're missing out. Garnier? What's that guy's name? No, entourage? no, no. It's his like manager and his best friend. Eric is his name in Entourage, but he's also in the notebook. That's who I was talking about. Good. I don't know. Oh. 
Um, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, connection, yeah. Connection to this podcast from The Notebook, uh, Gina, uh, Gina Rollins is in The Notebook. Um, and we talked about A Woman Under the Influence, our second episode, which is... Henry Rollins, same last name. Yeah, her son. So... Uh, wow. Connection to the notebook from this podcast. I have a bunch of notebooks that I've written in before. So wow. uh, connection uh, to this podcast from the notebook. I am holding two notebooks in my hand right now. These are my work. The notebooks. sequel to the notebook. Two notebooks. Two notebooks. Are we talk about the notebook instead of under the sofa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do Did we it. just change gears. What have you been watching, Byron? What have I been watching? So, I mean, I watched the movie that we had to watch today, well, that we wanted to watch today for the show, uh, which we'll get to later. But, I mean, I've just been continuing my thing where I'm watching a horror movie every day. So I've watched, um, I watched the original Grudge, you know, the uh, Jew on the Grudge, Japanese movie. It, it, I had never saw it before. It was pretty good. Uh, I watched, uh, this isn't a horror movie, but I watched that movie about Action Park, that documentary, Class Action Park. Yeah, Chris Gethard is in it. is in it. That's pretty fun. Pretty fun. I mean, and then it tr- takes a real serious turn because they start talking to the family of a kid who died there. So that's kind of fucked up. Um, yeah. But other than that, kind of just a bunch of old horror movies: The Raven, uh, Dracula, Die Monster Die. Uh, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, which I'd never seen. I loved it. Um, you gonna watch The Ring? I'm gonna watch The Ring. I'm gonna watch. The original ring, and then I'll watch The Ring. I think that was the first movie I've ever saw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, The Ring was the first scary movie I ever saw. In a theater or in general? Like, that you can remember? Uh, Yeah, in someone's basement. Like, my parents didn't... My parents were really weird with uh, movies and stuff. Like, I couldn't watch PG-13 movies until I was 13. So I think that came out, and I like went to someone's house around Halloween, and like it was a bunch of kids, and we all watched The Ring. I didn't sleep for weeks. <laughs> I was I remember when I was a kid, my parents were watching Carrie, and she got blood dumped on her, and I freaked out, and I couldn't sleep for probably a month. Oof. And uh, it was playing on NBC or something, and there were commercials for it, and they had that scene. And, like, my parents couldn't watch NBC when I was in the room because I would get too scared if the scene came on. Uh, as a kid, I was also scared of Danny DeVito as the Penguin in uh, in the second Batman movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first horror movie I remember watching of my own choice was a really shitty horror movie called uh, The Boogeyman. I saw it with my dad at Regents yes. in, in Racine. And it had the brother from Seventh Heaven in it. Yeah. My, oh, from, my dad uh, went to the uh, ticket booth. He said, two tickets to Boogie Town. <laughs> two tickets to Boogie Nights. Two tickets to Boogie Yeah, yeah, my dad's <laughs> Boogie Nights. Uh, Hell yeah. I've got, I've got I something like to say it. about the Boogeyman. Um, but I, I remember going to see, for whatever reason, I went to see Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium with uh, Nick Lanis. And uh, I think in our like high school girlf- girlfriends as well. Yeah. Um, and he walks. <laughs> he walks up there and he goes. Uh, <laughs> he said, "Can I get one for Mister McGoogly's Wonder and Poogly?" As <laughs> <laughs> straight faces I've ever seen him, and it was it was it was incredible. Um, I like that. <laughs> Ooh, you know which movie I just watched today while I was working? I don't know if I can say Tell that. Us. Well, yeah, I can say that. But uh, who's gonna listen, your boss? Yeah, I have, I I always have my laptop on now that I can work from home. You know, COVID times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I always have something on during the day while I'm working. But I watched that. Uh, it was a Sundance movie about uh, the guy who started National Lampoons. It was called uh, a stupid. Oh, the one on Netflix? Yeah, yeah Futile and Stupid Gesture. Yeah. I don't know with, how long it's been on there, but... Yeah, I watched it... A f- I think I watched it about a year ago. It's got a... Uh, it was Little really Forte good. And um, I don't remember and the other guy's Joel name. Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase. He does. He does. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, that was. It was good. I think, uh, yeah. Doesn't I Armin, think it is Armin Weitzman play... Uh, Ar- Armin Weitzman plays Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels. And then uh, John Gemberling plays John Belushi. Um, it is an okay movie. I think it is. I think it is a very. It's a very okay movie. It's good. It does what it's supposed to do. It makes me think. Hmm. Maybe I should watch Caddyshack. Yeah, I think uh, like those dudes were definitely super funny, but just like funny in their time. Like uh, now, everything's just been like beat to shit and cliched the hell out of that like that kind of stuff isn't funny but it was cool to see them being like the pioneers of that type of comedy right the first people to push the envelope like that like when the uh all all the scenes where i think that's uh the guy playing the editor i think that's matt walsh he keeps coming out he's like what do we do to the mormons why are the why are the Republicans pissed at us? Like they just yeah. push the envelope with the, the Nazi youth of America are pissed <laughs> off. Oh wait, this is a fan letter. Absolutely. Cool movie. John yeah, I thought it was good. Oh, I was going to say, um, uh, my aunt bought me a copy of the boogeyman on DVD when I was like very young. Ooh. That was weird. Um, but my, uh, my grandmother was very into horror movies. Um, and she showed me, the the first horror movies I'd ever seen, um, all in the same day. We watched um, uh, Panic Room, uh, which I guess isn't really a horror movie, but more of a thriller. Uh, but Panic Room, um, Joyride. I don't know if you guys have either seen Joyride and uh-huh. uh, Jeepers Creepers. The first Jeepers I've seen. Creepers. I've seen Jeepers Creepers. I just watched Devil pretty recently. Did you guys about the see elevator? That? Yeah, the elevator movie. I haven't seen it, but I want to see it because it's about a haunted elevator, right? Uh, like no. the devil is in the elevator? Is that what it is? That's yeah. actually There's actually a movie about kind of like a killer elevator, but that's not devil. <laughs> yeah, it's about like, I forget how many, five people in who get stuck in an elevator and they're all like from different walks of life, I guess you could say. And uh, One of them's broke, one of them's sad, one of them's the devil. <laughs> right, one of them's the devil. So like slowly they all start getting killed and like their maintenance people are watching from the camera and then the or the fucking police come in and i don't know it's a big whodunit does it make you scared to go in an elevator again no final (laughs) destination makes me scared to go to elevators not yeah escalators too i'm scared to go in escalators yeah there is a, a movie about a haunted elevator called Down that stars uh, James Marshall of Twin Peaks fame and uh, Naomi Watts. Damn. From 2001. From The Ring. And um, Naomi Watts of The Ring fame. Yes. <laughs> Are you doubting me? Is that what she's famous from, you think? <laughs> One of. I don't know. One of. All right. Well, let's well let's um oh, I've also been watching a, a bunch of um 
uh, Brisson, wait, wait, Robert Brisson, um, just so just being uh, depressed as hell all the time. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but what's not good uh, in these COVID times? I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, he's right. He has it's a point. Just, you're right. Maybe we should just end the podcast now. <laughs> I. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I was <laughs> I was just at the grocery store before I came here, and I saw someone I know who I hadn't seen like in a while, and I just realized how terrible I am at socializing now that like COVID is. Like, I went up to them and I'm like, "Hey," and they're just like, "What's up?" And I'm like, just, "And they're you like, to, you just have to like say hello and and pa- and just go on your way." And then they're just like, "Cameron, can you put a mask on?" Yeah, she was just like, "What's new with you?" And I was just like, "Nothing." <laughs> I'm getting a haircut at 5:50 p.m. I think I told her I just came from getting a haircut, <laughs> and she said it looks good. Yeah, that's yeah. That's so funny. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys have had this uh, happen yet, but uh, I was walking into a grocery store and I had my mask on, and then I walked past someone that I thought I knew, but was also oh. wearing a mask. They were also wearing a mask, and we locked eyes. And I think I know we where both- this is going. I think we both realized that we knew each other, but weren't certain enough because we were wearing our masks and we didn't say anything. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say you thought you saw someone you knew and you were like, hey, and they were like, who are you? <laughs> and you were like, I mistake. No, it was this really weird thing where it's like, it, it just the, the mask still has this certain level of anonymity, but you're pretty sh- certain that you're, supposed to like the social norm is to connect with this person when you see them but you just right. like, <laughs> you don't i don't know you don't know but um helps you out anyway um we wanted to talk about uh under the silver lake today uh the 2018 film under the right? silver lake whoa who is that where is that from under the silver lake under the silver lake yeah the 2018 ish technically 2019 you guys, you guys, you guys, prep it up. I'm, I'm gonna grab one more, uh, one more of these. Sure, go get one, boy. So I can, I'm ready for this. Hell yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, so, oh, go ahead, Byron. So, under the Silver Lake, uh, from 2018 at Cannes, and then 2019 on VOD, and that's it. <laughs> uh, I think it had a very brief uh, cinematic run uh, at, at the theater. Uh, but David Robert Mitchell's follow-up to It Follows, his big old hit from 2015, I believe. Uh, 2014, actually. And, you know, give it, or no, actually, that's the same deal. That movie came out 2014 at Cannes, 2015 in the U.S. Um, but Under the Silver Lake uh, is an incredibly ambitious movie for a follow-up to your first big I guess hit uh, your 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 little uh, sleeper hit, and he he really took it in stride. He he's it seemed like he went okay. I made that. I had my success. I'm allowed to make my next feature. I know what I'm doing. It's gonna be ex- this thing that I've been working on that I've been wanting to do. And man, oh man, is it ambitious? For sure. Um, I think he kind of he kind of. Um... Uh, he kind of gets this like blank check, I guess. To uh, I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, to steal from that podcast, I guess. But he kind of gets his. He has this great hit with uh, "It Follows," which personally I think is is an okay movie. Like it's like it's pretty good. Um, but that's it, the way it, I feel about it. It has it has. I haven't um, seen it yet. I would definitely check it out. It's I it's, yeah. It's worth watching. It's worth I mean, watching. 
next month, the scariest month of the year. What better time? That's true. I watched the movie last week just in prep for the podcast, and afterwards I was, like, looking up where to watch It Follows, and I couldn't – it's not on, like – No, it's not. It used to be on Netflix forever, and then I went to watch it after I watched Under the Silver Lake because I was like, man, this was great. Is this what his other movies are like? It Follows is not like this. But uh, Uh, it's still good. I I ended up picking it up at a used media store for, like, five bucks on Blu-ray. So that's – that's the way I watched it, but definitely, I mean, worth seeking out, especially in October if you're looking for something a little spooky. But uh, I mean, I could get a little spooky. Exactly. Yeah. You get a little spooky. You get a little social commentary. But um, uh, like I said, it's it's good. Uh, it's got uh, you know, um, ardent defenders. I mean, not really defenders, but you know, supporters. I guess uh, mm-hmm. people really love that movie. Um, so so it kind of gave David Robert Mitchell this kind of chance to kind of make this. Um, really weird thing, um, which um, there are a few movies for me anyway. Um, when I actually see the trailer and it like genuinely um, excites me, um, and this is this was one of them. Um, and I've probably watched that trailer like so many times, uh, and like just anticipation for it to be released. And I think that was part of the part of the problem with this is because it was hyped up as going to be like this, this great um, kind of this great kind of film uh, from this kind of breakout filmmaker. And then when it finally hit can, it's kind of, um, you know, got dumped. Um, fizzled, just fizzled. And I, yeah. I think that, um, you know, anyone making a movie um, about Hollywood like this, you can see kind of why it got the lukewarm response at a, at a film festival full of people in the industry and why when it got kind of mixed to negative reviews, A24 was like, ooh, let's retool this a little bit and just pulled it <laughs> from the schedule. And I think it got de- it probably got delayed three times. I think it was originally coming out in June of 2018, then pushed to September 2018, maybe even pushed to March 2019, and pushed to 2019 at that point, and then initially finally just dropped into VOD and the select market of cinemas around the country. And then I think it was pressed. It's out on Blu-ray and DVD now, but it's on demand. Uh, it's not actually a, a printed run of it. It's order on demand. When you order a copy of the Blu-ray, they make it and send it to you. Yeah, right. Um, but you can stream it uh, now on Amazon Prime. Yes, you you're, you're able to stream uh, it on Amazon Prime. And I watch it almost every night before bed for at least a little bit and then just Whoa, what i didn't yeah. realize you liked it yeah. that much yeah i leave it uh, on for well i leave it on i turn it on like probably 20 or 30 minutes before i go to bed and then i will skip around sometimes watch some scenes but then i just leave it on for my cats because i like to leave something on for them it is a, it, <laughs> it is there are some parts of it where it's kind of like it would be nice to kind of fall asleep too because there is kind of a very sleepy tone to it um but it's a dreamlike uh, movie. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that, but um, but you know that that whole um, mystique behind its release, um, well, it, it, you know, kind of, and you, and you when when that happens with a movie, you kind of get people who watch it and enjoy it. Um, you kind of get them into two camps. You kind of get people who like really genuinely enjoy the movie, and then you kind of get this also kind of like annoying base, which is just kind of like. <laughs> propping it up just because of the um just because of the you know quote-unquote controversy of it i guess um but it is it is it is kind of frustrating to see like 
because A24 does that. It's like they will hype up a movie um, and they will premiere it at one film festival. And if it doesn't just totally splash and win a bunch of awards, they, they essentially just kind of dump it. And that's really frustrating to see because yeah. this movie especially, I think, has um, has a lot to it that you can appreciate. I can understand why, like, why people don't like it at all. Um, I mean, outside of this, the the general like Hollywood stuff, but um, I can understand. Yeah. I can understand just watching it and just not being. I know Cameron. You told me because I I recommended it to you, Cameron. Yeah, and I and just then... thought it was it was a lot, and I thought it was really interesting, and so I started recommending it to all my friends. Yeah, and the responses were not positive. <laughs> I think everybody watched it with their girlfriend, like. Tristan watched it with Lizzie, Harry watched it with Erica, and Graham watched it with Kayla. And, like, uh, all of them were like, no, this is not, like, a fun... <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, the, the responses just seemed very negative. And I was just like, well, I don't know. And the more I watch it, the more I get... Like, there's just so many different themes throughout the whole movie that each time you watch it, you kind of pick up on something different or you're, you're, like, thinking about... It wasn't until this time watching it that, like, I was really, really, I don't know, honing in on, like, the whole songwriter aspect and, like, that piece of the movie, whereas other times I've watched it and I've been, like, just thinking about the conspiracy about, like, her going missing and, like, the, like, cult that she kind of is involved with. You get something different every time you watch it out of it. So I'm curious as to when they all watched it, which, which part of the plot that they were honing in on. Yeah, what thread they for were sure. following. Right. For, for sure. It's it, it the, the the trailer does kind of market it as like a as like a fun movie, like an enjoyable yeah, movie to watch. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it's not that. Like it's yeah, not. the trailer has like a violent femme song and it's like uh, yeah. it's real bouncy and you're like, oh shit, this is about to be cool. But then it's like a two and a half hour movie that has those bouncy, fun, cool scenes. There's also points where, you know, Andrew Garfield is walking through a landscape in LA or he's driving following these people so right yeah um this movie seems to be either like there's people who really really love it there's people who are like yeah it was a fun idea or there's people who are just like it's too it's stupid it was too confusing I didn't there's no point too long oh right I think that has I think I think that I think that's valid for you know for some people um because that's I I I totally understand just watching this movie and just kind of like and totally writing it off because um well you know before we before we get too crazy into it um byron you want to give like a synopsis and then we can just start working through this yeah sure so um andrew garfield plays sam who is just a typical shithead you know mid-20s late-20s maybe even early 30s guy living in la in the silver lake neighborhood um no job that we can tell. He's got a he's got a douchebag car. Uh, he, he's he's not working, and he seems to just be spending his time not paying his rent, going out and drinking and spying on women. Um, and one day he notices a girl at the pool at his at his apartment building, and he becomes a little obsessed with her. Reached you know ends up running into her, giving her dog a dog treat, um, kind of spending a night with her, and really feeling a connection between the two of them and the next day she's gone so he starts his search he begins following uh, clues that he finds 
doing a little bit of investigation, breaking into the apartment, finding bits and pieces of where she could be. And it kind of just sends him into this spiral of, you know, three or four or even more uh, different trails, different conspiracies in LA, in Silver Lake. And he kind of just gets swept up in everything and his whole life for the next two and a half hours that for us, the probably the next week or so for him is searching for this girl and searching for answers to what's under the silver lane. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's definitely a good start. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so yeah, so starring Andrew Garfield as Sam, um, which I think is, uh, for me, Andrew Garfield is very is very hit or miss. Um, I think he's got like. Uh, I, Did he you like to, him he, in Spider Man? I didn't mind him as Spider Man um, in the first. I one. loved him as Spider Man. Yeah, I thought I thought he did. He did is he right. your Spider Man, Cameron? <laughs> he's my Spider Man. <laughs> wow! Um, but like this one, uh, Under the Silver Lake, uh, Silence. He's really great in. Um, I believe Hacksaw were, Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. I believe he had an adaptation of Angels in America that was um, pretty the highly regarded as well. The Social Network, probably his like yes. breakout role yeah, for breakout. for for like mainstream audiences. And then he was in the uh, the film with the Terry Gilliam film. Uh, what was that called? You know what I'm talking about, Brandon. He played. Uh, member of the traveling troupe that Heath Ledger slash Johnny Depp slash uh, Jude Oh Bob. my gosh. What was the, the name ima- of that movie? The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Dr. Parnassus. Oh yeah. my god. It's weird because I, I really love that movie but it's like um, it's such a bizarre movie um, mm-hmm. but I like I forget about it all the time and then like I'll get reminded of it and I'll just like obsess over it for a little while. That's probably the first thing I saw him in. Definitely, definitely. The I think I keep hearing that title, and I think of Mr. Mr. Magorian's Wonder. Yeah, exactly. Google's into Google. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very funny that we brought that up earlier. (laughs) Um, What's it called? uh, uh, The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. It's a it's a fantasy like. Like a, I guess it's like a fantasy drama comedy film. Tom Waits is in it and plays the devil. Yes, um, that's what made me want to watch it. Is it Anthony Hopkins too? I don't also, think Anthony Hopkins is I'm, in it. Christopher Plummer is in it. Yeah, Christopher Plummer. Yes, and sorry. it's like Heath Ledger's last oh, role in film um, because it came out after The Dark Knight, but it wasn't. Yes. It wasn't a finished film. So also, along with Heath Ledger playing his character, Johnny Depp, Jude Law, and Colin Farrell also all play the character. Yeah, there's, um, there's a moment. So and that's a common misconception that The Dark Knight was his last role, but it's actually The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Um, and there's this, there's this uh, the, a very clear moment where um, Heath Ledger's character, like where he does like flip into a different actor. I believe he flips into Johnny Depp first, right, Byron? Yeah, I think it's yeah. Johnny Depp first. And it's just it's it's really beautiful and sad because you do kind of just see like that last you get like that last glimpse of him. Um and it really kinda of, it really kinda of messes me up when I watch it. Um But um yeah, yeah, but anyway, so Andrew Garfield is in that. That's really great. Um Silence, uh the Martin Scorsese movie. 
very different kind of role for him. Uh, I would suggest that movie to anyone, even though I, I hardly think anyone would, would like it. Um, most people <laughs> would recommend it too. Um, so yeah, it seems like Andrew Garfield is in um, movies that you might like, but that no one else you know is going to like. <laughs> like this, an Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and Silence. Um, but um, anyway, also Riley Keough is in this movie, um, mm. and she's just in, been in so much um, lately. And she's just, she's over the past few years, and she's just great and and just about anything she plays sarah the girl who goes missing uh but anyway let's get into let's get into the actual actual meat of this movie um byron I, you it. byron you love this movie so like what is it <laughs> i like, love what, this movie. What, what is it what is it about this that like that encapsulates you like are you are you like i'm sorry uh I'm, that wasn't the right word but um are you like super into the coding in this movie I think so. I think that that's one thing. I, I like this movie has a dreamlike quality to it, and it's the score in this movie is just in, insane really in my good. mind. It's it's so fucking good. It hits the nail on the head throughout the entire thing. I think that even just like the opening scene with that uh, "Never My Love" song, with mm-hmm. the pictures changing as the music changes, and then just the shot of the beware of the dog killer sign is incredible um really the first thing in this movie that they really got me was the song turning teeth which is a song by a fictional band of the film called jesus and the brides of, of dracula and it's actually performed by the silver sun pickups but in the movie it's performed by this fake band um and i downloaded it on my phone after the movie because i was like, the first time watching i was like okay this is a pretty pretty catchy song and listening to it i was like is this like the plot of the movie um because there are lyrics in that song that are just the movie. Uh, let me find some. So it's kind of I mean, spoilers for Under the Silver Lake, obviously here. For sure. But um, as I, as we all know, what Sam finds is these tunnels beneath the city of Los Angeles, where rich, powerful men are able to build themselves tombs to transcend our human form and go on to another plane, another universe that we are told at the end of the movie is is real, and they will be pharaohs and kings and be able to have sex and eat and do whatever they want with their, uh, with their, like, their wives, you know, three women they bring with them to die down there with them. Um, but the lyrics to the song, the first part of the first verse is tunneling beneath the skin of the city we live within. Uh, and that, that repeats later on. And another lyric is, exploring where the cameras cannot see so underneath the city beneath the surface underneath the city where the lovers cannot breathe um along with that the another scene in the movie that connected was there's a scene where he goes to a nightclub with uh one of the women who i think is probably another man's wife uh there's the three girls there's the two girls that are in the movie that are playing at the cemetery and the balloon girl when he goes to the club with the balloon girl and they dance to the REM song, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Uh, she says, I don't know this song. He says, I want to dance. There's a lyric in the song. You and I were dancing to a song you had never heard. Swing our arms wide, remember, let our blunders be trust funders. Uh, Gosh, Byron, you really, you really <laughs> delved into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but just, just things like that. And, and I, I still haven't really been like, 
whose perspective the song is from. Is it from Jesus? Is he overseeing this? I, I mean, we know the songwriter, which is another thing in the film. He wrote this, but I just um, putting this all together and seeing the way it plays out is just so crazy to me. Um, it's so interesting. And this movie also just reminds me of another one of my favorite movies, Mulholland Drive which uh, I've also recommended to you, Cameron. Have you seen that one yet or no? No, no. I, I think I was going to watch it and you were like, it's on Netflix and I went to it go. It wasn't there probably. Yeah, and it was gone. Damn. Um, but just like, you know, the, 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 the influence from Lynch, the influence from uh, Hitchcock, um, that's, again, that score, the cinematography, uh, the set design, the fact that you are in this movie, you are in so many places in this movie. You see so That's many true. different. You see so many different places around LA. Even if it's kind of crazy that someone would live in Silver Lake and drive across LA and like drive all the way to downtown LA to go to a bookstore, and just the way he's traveling doesn't really make sense. But still, who cares? Um, just the 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 movie's so fun in my mind uh, that it's just you know. For sure, no, it is. It is. It is very fun. Um, and we start, uh, and it. But uh, what uh, what gets me with this movie is how is like you do have this very fun element of like of the mystery, but um, the the main character of of Sam um, uh, by um, well, Sammy, he's just so unlikable, um, or such a piece of shit. Um, I, I don't think it, it it wasn't until I mean I kind of feel that way with a bunch of movies, I guess. Like, uh, the first time I watched uh, High Fidelity, I was just like, this dude's the best. And, like, it wasn't like <laughs> I felt that way with Sam, but, like, I watched it for the first time by myself, and I was just like, all right, this is just a dude. Like, well, whatever. And then I want to say I was watching it with Megan, and she was just like, what a pervert. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I guess he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't notice all sure, the yeah. weird, like, I don't know, unsavory things that he was doing at first, which I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel like you are probably like meant at first glance to, um, to kind of identify with him. Um, and you know, you do look Cameron like Andrew Garfield a little bit. So, you know, I understand um... <laughs> <laughs> that must be it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, he is kind of like, um, and and not to say that a that a, a main character that you can't identify with and that is a you know a a, a bad person is a is a new thing or is a um, something right the that, antihero or yeah yeah right um, taxi driver obviously probably one, the one of the easiest examples of that but he does sure. I did notice that you get um, in the very beginning when he's kind of out on his balcony um you get a similar uh byron i think you've seen taxi driver before right no really uh have you seen it cameron i hate it to me <laughs> are you talking to me i hate well, okay it. well you know okay well you know you know the um brandon the, loves paul schrader so now he's mad <laughs> oh, i'm well, sorry uh well just the all oh, the scene the like the the fizzing cup scene when he puts the alka seltzer in the in yeah. the glass um i mean that kind of, that that uh is, derives from french new wave but then you see that you see that in a lot of a lot of films but you get kind of a, the classic like dissolving drink shot when he kind of like he throws his uh his uh his roach into that disgusting bottle of 
heavy on water and cigarette butts yeah. oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah and you kind of get that fizzling out in there and so i thought that was that was cool i, I always love those shots um the but cinematography in under the silver lake was awesome every shot looks so fucking cool it looks so good everything looks so good and it, just it reminds me well yeah it just it <laughs> The whole movie reminds me of being on mushrooms. Like, just <laughs> everything so saturated, and like just the the score, like you said, like those eerie. I don't yeah. know. Just the colors like, are the colors are like so rich and so um, just vibrant in scenes. Like I know for sure one scene that stands out to me is when he goes to purgatory. And he goes to the party where Jesus and the Brides of Dracula are playing mm-hmm. um, that that rooftop, and especially that bathroom, that women's bathroom that's all red that he goes into. Uh, oh yeah, which I think could be a reference to The Shining, uh, with the blood flowing down the hallway, just that deep red. Um, that's I mean that's that's cinema, man. <laughs> I did I did write down a note uh, about the score, and I think it does kind of. Uh go with your your mushrooms theory i said the score is like a looming fantasy which i think uh <laughs> goes for sure i i mean even the first like um one of the first scenes when he's like spying on people in his apartment complex and she's out at the pool i don't know just like he's isn't there like trees sort of by his little uh balcony kind of like shrouding him but he's looking out you get the like rich blue of the pool but like the dark greens of the trees and the brown and the blue of the sky, everything just looks so, like, I don't know, visually appealing. That Those first couple scenes, I was just like, ooh, yeah, okay, I like what I'm seeing. The pool specifically is just... It, it is this looks really great um there's the 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 kind of the dream scene where the uh, sarah is in the pool kind of like halfway oh in the movie yeah, and then she starts sure. parking mm-hmm. um that, that it, looks great yeah it just it's so it's so beautiful her kind of like resting her chin on the side mm-hmm. of the pool like it's just and she'd make up perfect hair yeah yeah like an ode yeah. to marilyn monroe yeah definitely um but uh, this character though like it like so what's going on in this movie is that there's in the kind of in the background of this movie is that there's kind of these um these uh serial dog um killings and i don't know if you guys noticed but when the movie first opens up and it's opening up on the woman scrubbing the beware the dog killer uh graffiti on the window she's scrubbing it for a very long time and nothing nothing is coming off at all i don't know if you noticed that yeah this um, is something that Jaden is like it's not even coming off why wouldn't it be coming off and, and, and for me it's like it's like okay this one move this movie that is all about like coding and messages um like there has to be some significance to that opening shot of her scrubbing that graffiti and not even nothing graffiti happening. it's just it's just uh, just a marker on the window and nothing Same. is happening and, and I, you, I I can't I can't decode it in my head. <laughs> and then you and then you come inside of the coffee shop and Andrew Garfield is just looking at it and right. kind of smirks. And you know a lot of people you know a big discussion online in this movie is like is he the dog killer? Is it is he not the dog killer? I mean with that scene, if you want to read it like you want to go well actually, um, you know he's looking at that from inside and he's the he's a dog killer looking out with those words in front of him. Um, and then there's another thing that guy's shirt with all the icons on it if you uh if you can tell 
at the beginning of the movie, it's like a, it's like a unicorn, a tiger, a snake, and a, and a lion with mm-hmm. those icons under the silver lake. That guy's shirt spells out, beware the dog killer. All the icons, the first letter. Yeah, there's also in that, also in that the shot, there's also coding. in Morse code on the menu. Oh yeah, Morse code on the menu, um, which I think Jesus. spells out something that is not, uh, not clear um, yet, yet. Or it's not some obvious answer. There's a I'm whole still, re- there's a whole Reddit <laughs> there's a whole Reddit group out there de- dedicated to yeah people read decoding this. this. Someone did a GPS tracking of like the exact location of where he could be, um, where the tunnels could be, where the tombs could be. Someone was doing a hike to find things. It's crazy. This movie has a very dedicated fan base. Um, Jesus. That, that yeah. coffee shop scene, the only other thing I'm still trying to determine is those two girls in the coffee shop in the kitchen. Um, they look familiar, but I, but at first, you know, after my first time watching it and turning it on the second time, I was like, oh, those girls he's following in the car must be the girls from the beginning. And I went back and it's not them. So I wonder if that's another group, you know, the girl taking the order, the two girls in the kitchen, if they are another group of three with another millionaire. Um, that's the kind of things that you know, Possible. there's them, there's the balloon girls group, there's uh, even the Jesus and the Brides of Dracula is three women, one dude and three women. Um, so there's just a ton going on in this movie. And I'm sure we'll never get the answers to all of them until... If yeah. Byron, what's the significance of uh, his shit in the toilet? I think that that could just be something cheeky, like, look, Jesus is human after all. He takes shits just like us. Why well, is it like... It's his moldy. shit's gold, man. It, well, okay, oh, I couldn't tell if it was, like, gold flakes or mold. It's gold. Yeah, Jesus that's what I gold. thought. He's shitting gold. And, I don't know, uh, moldy to me. Another thing that could be is something to do it's with goldy to you? Because moldy. he's... Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. That's funny. Another thing it could be is like you know he's he, his shit is gold because he has this hit record. He's a celebrity, but he didn't actually write any of his hit songs. While Andrew Garfield, we're referencing a scene in the movie where Andrew Garfield breaks into a bathroom where Jesus from Jesus and the Brides of Dracula is pooping, and Sam has just decoded the message and turning teeth, and he wants more answers. So he just starts ruthlessly beating the shit out of this guy. Um, and his shit could be gold because he didn't write any of his hit songs. The other things are his. So the shit that he has has ended up getting him a gold record. I, I do like that scene a lot, too, just because, uh, you know, like he's beating the shit out of him, trying to get answers, like because there's a message in the music. And then you kind of find out that Jesus, the star of this, you know, uh, band, like turns into a little like wuss and he's just like i didn't write those songs like the production company gave them to me he was just like well, what other songs did he give to you and then you like listed all the songs he's like so all, all the, the hits, hits? <laughs> right and he goes oh, man belittle me man <laughs> i like that some, a lot there are some really funny moments i want to i just want to like summarize like all the because i i I want to talk about the serial killer a serial dog killer thing real quick because he displays so many like psychotic behaviors throughout this movie which um which i think you know kind of can kind of lead into to kind of confirming that i mean um i think the first i mean obviously you have like the 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 voyeurism um which is maybe not psychotic but um uh, still just creepy nonetheless um but um 
he uh, the I mean, the first instance that I can think of is um you know when the kids are are messing with the cars oh yeah um, and uh he it, it's kind of, it was that that uh that scene is kind of funny at first you're kind of like oh he's gonna go you know like mess with the kids you know that um are you know messing with the cars and then it just it escalates really fast um you know started like shoving raw eggs down the kids throats and you know and just kind of speeding up these probably you know like 12 year old kids um yeah i kind of like that And he 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 hits that kid in the face and then shoves the egg in his mouth and then just. I mean, just because kids are fucking assholes, and I'm sure like everyone's been in that position where like a kid is being a etched a dick on the front of your car. Yeah, fucking dick, and you you can't do anything because kids think they're untouchable. So I kind of like that where he was just Uh, like. Yeah, true, but it it escalates pretty quick. Oh Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just helps you see, but like it helps drive the point home where that this character is not. This is not a sympathetic character. And this is a person, this is just a person who, um, you know, does what he wants until he has to face the repercussions, but he puts off the repercussions as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I did like um, the next morning after that, after he still has the sticky stuff on his hands, his, um, the gun, his hand, yeah. well, his hands get stuck to the Spider-Man comic. Uh, Spider-Man. Reference to Spider-Man. Obviously. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, He's also, you know, he's a, he's kind of obsessed with the writer who's detailing all the the serial dog killings, uh, which is, you know, another kind of thing for, you know, kind of like a, a killer to do is kind of like notice when people are noticing them and kind yeah. of interact with them. Um, uh, there is, um, uh, and he, uh, but he also he also realizes that he's like a creep too because there's that scene when he's um uh he's uh he's sneaking into the empty apartment after sarah has mysteriously moved out and he finds the dildo um in the box and he like he like smells it <laughs> and then like he like shakes his head at himself like he knows he knows that he's fucked up and he puts it <laughs> away um but uh we already know that he sucks because he drives a charger yeah, he drives the Dodge Charger. So we already know that he uh, is really is just a piece of shit. So <laughs> Cameron's like, guys, I just bought a Dodge Charger. Fuck. <laughs> um, but then you know later on you see that um, someone is I think the Hobo King is asking him why he has dog treats in his pocket, and mm-hmm. it's kind of his story on that is 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 changing. I think he's finding the dog treats in weird places also as well um so um so i think that that has merit and um but i i I struggle to kind of see like what that has to do with the rest of the story but i think that's what this movie does really well is it um it kind of takes all these different um ideas and kind of presents them to you in a a very non-linear way because like we're tr- like, I, I, even right now I'm trying to detail all these things that kind of point to him kind of having this aspect, but I'm, I'm, I'm j- I keep jumping to different, like to very different parts of the movie. And I feel yeah, like it's I'm, so hard. I, I think yeah. that's why people don't like it is because it's not like you just follow along and you get your answers. It's like, 
okay, we're getting to the answer for this, but here's another question. Uh, we're getting to the answer to that question, but, you know, here's another question. And here's this. Just think about it. Like, it's just so all over the place. But everything that they're bringing up is interesting. I would argue. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of messages in this movie, and that's something that they they discuss a lot. They Multiple characters tackle the messaging and media and what it means, what what subliminal messages are, if all media has a certain single meaning or purpose. What is it, Cameron? What were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, I think um, just to kind of expand off what Brandon was saying a little bit, like uh, one of the times when I watched it, I thought, because like it's it's assumed that Andrew Garfield is the dog killer, right? There's a lot, that's the thing. Like this movie gives you scenes where it's like, oh, he's... But He's I think for sure the dog killer, but other ones where you're like, is he really? Is he I think sure? I think my theory is kind of like he he because we kind of like jump into his life, but it's kind of like falling apart when we jump in. Yeah, I kind of see it as like I think the dog killer could be this like mental break where he like obviously he had a successful job because he has a cool apartment and like he was driving a Dodge Charger. So like everything was going well for a while, but at this point he has, he's three months late in his rent. He has no ambition to like try working at all or like doing anything other than like spying on girls. And like his life kind of seems to be falling apart. And especially in like when the hobo King has him like tied to that chair at the end. And he's like, why did I find dog treats in your pocket? And he like starts crying. Like maybe he's coming to the realization, like what, what, what have I been doing? is this sort of like this alter ego that like I had this mental breakdown and like I'm killing dogs in my spare time but I don't remember it yeah that 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 jives with one of the things I've noticed there's at the scene when um they see Millicent Sevens at that rooftop party even though her dad was just yeah missing and and Sam says hard to know what a person might do when they're in pain so he's yeah. been in this pain. He's been in this rut. Has he been killing these dogs? And later on in the movie, he says something along the, they're talking about the dog killer later on with Melissa. He's talking with her and she says, anyone who would kill a dog wouldn't think twice about killing a person. And he said, I'm not sure that's true. And kind of looks away. Uh, um, he does end up killing somebody. Uh-oh. There's, there's a movie or something of like a, Gosh, I can't think of it like a popular movie, but like basically someone has like a mental breakdown and they start killing all these people, but they don't remember doing it. Does that sound familiar? Are that you... sounds very familiar and like I should know it off the top of my head. Right, right, right. You're not talking about American Psycho, are you? No, he definitely knows he's doing it. He knows he's doing it. Secret Window. That's probably not what you're talking about, but that also happens in Secret Window. Because that's what I sort of feel like with Andrew Garfield's character. Like, he just, his life is spiraling, and he probably, like, blacks out, does all this shit, starts killing dogs. But, like, it's finding, as he's pulling all, like, pulling all these threads throughout the movie, he's, like, finding more and more evidence that, like, he may be the dog killer. Like, he's finding, like, familiar familiarities and, like, the paths that he's going through. And, like, 
I don't know. That's what that's that's what I got of it. Got out of it when I was watching it. Or or is the dog killer Hollywood, and are the dogs women? Okay, I don't know. That's another. I, that also applies. Think about all the women that bark at him in this movie. A bark bark. I mean that's true. Um, I'm in Milwaukee. Yeah, bark bark. <laughs> okay, come on, guys. <laughs> um, uh, but that that kind of that idea of him kind of being in between um, these mental states. Uh, I mean that that goes in with other stuff too. Like when he when he goes to purgatory, uh, the club purgatory, and they say welcome to purgatory, and he responds with. I've been needing to think about some stuff, which is really funny, but um, uh, the way it's delivered, but that also kind of like goes in line with what, you know, the function of a purgatory is. Yeah. Um, um, so we've, we've, we've been touching on it here and there, but what this, uh, what this movie also does um, is it, it, it provides like, so many series of codes or things that appear to be codes or messages um, and, and very little things. Um, some of them that, you know, the movie makes a point uh, to, to show that, um, that Sam notices, um, but also, you know, is, is hiding and, and, and is there for you to find out. Um, but I, I really love that scene when, um, when he's in the bathtub and he's talking to um, his uh, friend with benefits, I suppose. And he's yeah, kind of the actress. Yeah. And he's kind of talking about, you know, noticing patterns and, you know, determining if the pattern, you know, actually makes sense or if there's reasoning behind the patterns. And, um, you know, he says maybe there's things uh, out there that, that other people know that we're not supposed to know. Um, but it's it's being communicated out into the world, whether it's through media or whether it's just through like commonplace things. Like it's just being presented in plain sight, um, or hidden in plain sight, I, I, I guess. Um, so, um, but, uh, I don't know if you guys follow this at all, but there's been philosophical, I, I suppose, ideas that they're that that free will is not as um, is not as like clear cut as it is. And that there, there may be, there may be some predetermination into the world. And I think that that, um, that idea um, kind of ties into that to, to kind of know that uh, I'm going on, I'm going on a tangent here, but uh, to kind of know that to start realizing that you are not as in control um, as you think you are and that your ideas are not yeah I, really I, your own i i think um the scene with the songwriter so just to elaborate on that i guess um he gets to this huge mansion um and gets into this room and like he meets the songwriter quote unquote and basically this guy has been writing like putting messages in songs his entire life but even longer, um, possibly. That guy plays like Beethoven at a certain point or Ode to Joy. Right. So yes. he's having this whole monologue with Andrew Garfield listening and he's playing the piano and he's like incorporating in all these different songs. He just keeps switching from like hit song to hit song. He's just like, I wrote this, I wrote this, I wrote this. 
and like one of the craziest things because like you you learn early on in the movie that like Andrew Garfield's character is a big fan of Nirvana and then he starts playing Smells Like Teen Spirit on piano and he was just like oh this like when you were rebelling you were like I was telling you to rebel or whatever he says yeah there is no rebellion right it's all a fabrication by me made me feel like oh my god like because I feel that felt that way as a kid like I'm not listening to fucking top 40 songs I'm listening to I don't know like whatever like fucking no effects fucking punk music (laughs) anti-flag fuck it but like if this guy's behind the scenes writing all that then like it all means nothing I wasn't rebelling against anything like everything that I hold dear is like meaningless you know what I mean and that's how Andrew Garfield's character felt at that point and he freaks out and then yeah that yeah you're right that when he starts playing smells like teen spirit that's when it really gets to him and it kind of it irritates him and the songwriter starts laughing and he's like oh he thinks this is funny like it's kind of funny isn't it you know trying to tell him like you know i think one of the first things the songwriter says is i don't always worry what the message is i just pass it along right and it just it's that right that in itself is saying like yeah this is none of this means shit to me this isn't all real I'm, i'm doing this for almost i'm doing this for a higher being which is even worse, like, yeah. to be Andrew Garfield's character, right. to be like, you know, I mean, obviously he's a big fan of Nirvana, and to hear, like, I don't even care what the message is, I just wrote it to pass along the message, I like, and you were rebelling against it, ha, like, what a, what a silly idea, I don't know, for someone to, like, tear down your whole... I don't know, everything you hold dear is pretty... Yeah, the thing that helped build... Right, you know, shake you to your the core. way you look at the world. I, the the billionaire at the end of the movie kind of says the same thing. He says like, "This is a carnival. Why would you even? What are you like? What are you working for? Like, what are you trying? What are you trying to gain? Two weeks vacation? Right, <laughs> right. I like how they're. It, it, I like how they kind of do that because, um, especially with that with that uh, billionaire at the end who's saying that to him, because. Um, they're doing this thing that is so clearly wrong right like they're they're obviously you know coercing these young women uh you know into these um into this cult and they're they're bringing them down to you know to eventually die and and escalate you know into this other thing um and uh so but there's there's that there's that there's that thing where we're we're seeing like this is clearly wrong uh, but you also get that that retort back from him i'm like what okay you know we can do this or what's your other option you know which yeah. option which option is really better than the other um you know I, I think, and like yeah i think it's that, not, i think it's not as cut and dry but it's yeah, like it's that like kind of being, oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say like what what is what is a better way to spend your life like being fanatical or being you know kind of leaning into the craziness of your life i guess of of existence and leaning into like the mystical side because you know we can all say say oh look at that it's 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 nuts um and you can even just apply that to like basic religion it's like 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 man i i would love to have like the confidence that like devout christians have right (laughs) you know (laughs) Um, because the alternative is two weeks vacation a dodge charger you know um (laughs) A shitty fucking apartment but the thing and, is like they're you know, both chasing you know they're both chasing they're just chasing after something different 
uh, Andrew Garfield could have turned around and said the same thing to him, but he doesn't because he knows it's, you know, it's a waste of breath. There's no saving at that point. And I think that like that whole, you know, the parallel of like this million, this billionaire taking these women, um, using them until he's done with them and then just spitting them out to, to be killed. Um, you could kind of use a lot of people kind of read this as like, this is a, this is a take on, this is like a uh, criticism of the Hollywood system. These, these rich, successful men take these women, use them until they're no longer useful, and then just toss them to the side. And, uh, you know, that, that could be yeah, that's one way to look at it. And it makes sense. And, and that, like, just the, just the overall take on, on the treatment of women in Hollywood is something that I think this film was kind of touching on. And it could also be the reason that the film kind of got pushed around and kind yeah, of there is- because this, it's not a comfortable subject for the people who are financing this movie in the end, in the long run, there's a rich, there's a group of rich people who make movies who exploit, have exploited women throughout their careers, funding movies like this. And they don't like seeing that. They don't like seeing that turn back on them. That's very true. And there's this really sad moment um, when, you know, Sam is talking to Sarah over the the video call in the bunker and it it goes in with, with exactly what you just said. And she says, um, you know, um, there's no going back now. And then it flashes to the Hollywood sign. It says, I might as well make the best of it. Um, and I yeah. think that's probably how a lot of women in Hollywood feel. It's like they get into this cycle of exploitation or abuse. And it's like the only way out is through, you know, that's the only way that they. It's fitting that those tombs are yeah. underneath the Hollywood sign, right? Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but um but but yeah but you you kind of you get this uh this this sense that he is because by the because by the, he always kind of looks like shit sam kind of always looks like shit throughout the whole movie but like by the very end like you just see how like worn out and just like defeated he is um and like when they're those final scenes in that last um like pyramid tent thing there's a lot of like close up on the detail of his face and he's just like his face is like swollen like he's like starting to cry he's just he's dirty um he's got like terrible you know shadow you know he's just so strung out um and you just kind of see like you kind of see like the physical toll that like you know the truth like if this if this is the truth um is taking on him and but and you know like he is he is seeing very clear evidence that you know that this is the truth and he has to kind of confront that um but i mean how does he confront it really um he doesn't uh i mean he he learns about it he finds it out he discovers the truth but he doesn't confront it at all like the movie ends with him Sleeping with uh, his neighbor. Sleeping with his neighbor, and he's just smoking a cigarette with a shirt off on the porch, just kind of staring off into nothing. Looking over at his old life, looking over at his old apartment, kind of, yeah, this is a new him. You know, he's become what he hates. He's a homeless guy now. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 again, it's just like for him, it's just like the you know, the only way out is through. Um that's that's all that he can do. And it he kind of the way that he's kind of looking over at it and his kind of his his body language and his kind of smirk i mean 
it's hard to know if he is caring about it now like or if he's just moving on that's what i get from it um is that he just he's just letting it all go because what can you do um if 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 your life is not what you think it is um there's there is a certain way that things are going to play out that you can't change because it would just be futile to try and do it i mean i think we'd all like to say like i'd fight for you know the the betterment of you know of that change but in reality when it's like when it's that big like you lose you know you lose I agree. He says it himself in a scene with uh, Choker Grace. He's asking him, do you ever just feel like you're maybe living a bad version of the life you were supposed to have? Things maybe didn't work out the way you wanted. Yeah, that one's that one's rough. First off, shout out to Topher Grace for being in this movie and being his <laughs> best friend in this movie because I wish Topher Grace was my best friend. <laughs> they both were in Spider-Man. That's true. That's true. But Topher Grace is like the one of the very few like southeastern Wisconsin uh like uh, celebrities, you know. Or is he I don't, from I don't, southeastern Wisconsin. I don't know I don't know if he's from here, but yeah, is I he mean, from here or is he just he just he's famous for playing a character that was from here? He's yeah, from but, New York. He's from New York. Yeah, but you know, that seventy shows based here. And I think, right. yeah, it's weird because it's weird I think he has a, a genuine appreciation for it because there was this one time a few years ago when um he showed up in Kenosha and was like taking pictures in front of like the Kenosha water tower and the Kenosha signs and people like it's a, it's a small, it's a smallish, you know, town. So like the local social media was just going absolutely crazy um, <laughs> for just that Topher Grace was around. <laughs> um, but uh, that scene in particular though. Yeah. He says, um, you know, I think you're living a, a, a worse version of your life. And he also feel it says, I feel like we've, you know, like I was going to do something important. Yeah, I could have done um, something important. I could have like influenced people. I could have changed something, done something good. Yeah. Um, but and not yeah. even and not even not even be someone important. Just get that opportunity to do something important. And he and it's and um, you know he does get that opportunity, but he he can't do anything with it. You know, um, which is unfortunate. Um, I mean, not just unfortunate, but um, kind of devastating, really. Um, what else? What else you guys got? Yeah, Cameron, is there anything in, that we my notes. touched on yet that like you really thought was uh, an important aspect of the film, or just a scene, or an image, or a song? Um, the songwriter. Uh, yeah, scene, let's get into that I, scene. I I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. I think I was talking to. Yeah, Megan, about that, just because we watched it together last weekend and we were just driving and like there was something where I was playing music and I was like, oh, that lyric is so cool. And then I was just like, it's it's been like weird listening to music since I watched that movie because I just think about that songwriter scene. She's like, (laughs) I know me, too. It's just like sort of ruins music for you for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, if everything is just, like, predetermined and already set out, then, like, I don't know. I know that, um... What's the meaning? If, if I hear, like, I want to know what love is, like, I just think of his interpret. I want to know what love is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Right. I want you to show me. <laughs> yeah. Um. What I what I and what bothers Sam the most in that is like Cameron, like you said. Um. The smells like Teen Spirit. And he starts playing it on the piano, and he's like, um. He goes, "That song wasn't wrote on distorted guitar, right it here." And it um. Yeah. Right. He's, he made it right here by me, and it's like somewhere between a blowjob and an omelet yeah something like yeah, that and it's like, sam's clinging on to that like uh fender mustang yeah, and it's yeah, just like uh. yeah and it's weird because it's like um but that song you know love nirvana or not it's like it though the 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 structure of that song of smells like teen spirit just that you know that beginning you know clean guitar and then just let that that like that whoosh into like that full distorted and just kind of <laughs> kick in. Yeah. Like it's such, um, it's such a, a, a trademark of like the angst from that era. Um, yeah. you know, that, and that, and that I think, I don't know how old David Robert Mitchell is, but I'm, I'm assuming he probably has some, you know, some, some roots to that era since I know he's a, a generally new filmmaker. So, um, it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such an iconic thing and to just have that like and for him to just say that you know like to just like just totally you know to just totally rip it from its place you know yeah and everything that's good about it that it's like this rebellious (laughs) anthem and just say no it's not it's nothing it's this little jingly tune I wrote. Yeah, right here. is is I'm sure it's a fucking I'm sure Nirvana fans watching that were just like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> but uh... I think the song in that that's like the most um, to me that's like uh, devastating or like hits me is when he starts playing "Where Is My Mind" with Pixies. Mm-hmm. He's just like playing it and like looking at him. It's kind of like it's like another one. It's like, yep. You know this one. I know you know this one too. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I don't. I don't. I don't really know the actor who who does him because, and he's also done up in like crazy, yeah, crazy old, old person guy makeup. Makeup. Um, but he has just this, uh this like such like such unsettling tone, and then he's just raising his voice and just screaming at him eventually, and uh, shooting him while he's playing, you know, shooting at him with a gun while he's playing, you know, piano. Um, and just just antagonizing you know to just like a crazy extent it's just that was another funny uh uh just because so i watched this with my girlfriend and i i don't think she knew anything about the movie prior to but i was just like uh it gets to the the end where he smashes in his face with the guitar yeah his whole face just caves in and she was just like, oh, Jesus. Like, I didn't see that coming. And I was just like, oh, well, you've seen, like, Midsummer, right? And she was just like, yeah. And I was just like, this is the same, like, A24. And she was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right? That's the same. They're both A24 movies, yeah. yeah. And they both have head-smashing scenes. Yeah, because so. that's all it reminds me of is, like, Midsummer. That's yeah. That scene in particular, the, mm-hmm. the, with the head specifically exploding, it does. They do hit the head the same way that they hit that guy's head. In, they hit the nail on the head. The way that the way that uh, the songwriter's head kind of caves caves in, in though, it, it's like, um, 
it's uh it's almost it's not it's it, it doesn't well it doesn't cave in like like it does realistically like real it doesn't cave in like summer. a real head the face it, just disappears and then the blood it, it, like, it disappears like that the head kind of like breaks open in like pieces and yeah. like yeah. The, the blood does not look like blood it looks like a black ooze yeah you know yeah so it's, yeah it's the same when the comic guy is killed by the owl's kiss and you right. know sam which we up, haven't touched on at all which we, have, yeah, we haven't even talked about that guy really um sam goes to his apartment and the cops show he goes what happened and the friend or family goes uh i knew the guy and he goes yeah uh suicide he's like i don't he didn't seem suicidal and the cop goes i was in his house for two hours there was something <laughs> wrong with the guy <laughs> and he breaks in and you see the fucking like more blood than a human being would leak and it's like it's a blackish red just like blob on the ground and then also all over the bed um it's that same type of blood i i have this image from i wonder if a24 is just like any movie they make they're like all right do whatever you want just we got the blood (laughs) (laughs) you gotta bash one person's head in Uh, (laughs) i i i'm i feel byron maybe you can point me in the right area that there's a there's a very specific like David Lynch thing where maybe not someone is being their head is getting like like caved in like that, but someone's like head kind of like breaks into like jagged pieces ish. Is that like reminiscent of a of a something a David Lynch thing to you? I feel like I have this image and I, I want to associate David Lynch with it, but I, maybe I'm I'm wrong. Um, Anyway, I, mean, I don't. I don't want the to only think. thing I can think of with David Lynch, like with a head, uh, is uh, just right off the top of my head, is um, oh, um, the, the scene in uh, Twin Peaks. Obviously, Bob smacks his head against the glass, but I think there's like a short he made where it's like an it's like ants eating like a head apart, like a block of cheese being eaten by ants or something. There's like a short film that he made that's very different from that but uh the other david lynch is that actor is in uh, mulholland drive and twin peaks the return um which actor uh the comic guy oh yes um i i wrote down his name i because I, I always forget his name because i always just want to call him todd um pat uh patrick fishler great character actor uh, incredible incredible um, um jimmy simpson is also in this who is an underrated character actor um he plays his friend alan um oh who yeah plays, uh, who plays one of the mcboyles and one of the mcboyles on it's it's always sunny. Sunny. uh also in zodiac um oh i know I, zodiac. I uh i um they both I remember the funniest you movie. <laughs> They, I remember well I remember what 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 thing I'm thinking of in, in Twin Peaks but I yeah. haven't seen I haven't seen it in a while but the the way the woodsmen um like grab people's heads and uh, mm. and squeeze them until they kind of like pop yeah that's 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 kind of the image I have um associated with uh when he when he bashes in the songwriter's head um, those what I was going to say was those two guys have two of the funniest lines in the movie um the character the what's it, patrick fishler the, the comic guy comic fan he when when Andrew garfield comes to his house and he's showing him the 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 molds of the faces yeah um and he's like looking at them he says that's johnny depp uh next to grace kelly 
But that's not the funny. The funny thing is he looks at him and he goes, oh, I really need to get a family. And you think it's like him saying, like, he put his life, he's just goes, I just need somebody to leave these two. You know, I can't just like, it's, it's, it's not like I need people in my life. It's like someone has to inherit these. Um, and then the, his friend who's playing chess with him, they're playing chess. And Andrew Garfield doesn't give a shit about the game. He just wants to go beat the shit out of Jesus. Yes. And, and he puts, just puts the piece down. His friend goes, are you sure you want to do that? Interesting move. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, just so, he's so perplexed yeah, over yeah, he his He doesn't moves. understand why he would have done it. Um, Patrick Fischler also has that really funny line delivery when Sam asks him if there are if there are codes and messages that aren't subliminal and they're hidden in plain sight, and he says it's common as tits and hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. the, I, I, I say it now when it's uh, when it's hot out. I'll say uh, hot day, cold beer, because that's what he says to Sam when he shows up. He says, you want a beer? Oh, of course. Hot day, cold beer. <laughs> I need There's to adopt message that. message in the music. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, um, the, uh, so yeah, let's touch on the owl lady a little bit. Um, is that the what, owl's kiss. is that, oh, the owl's kiss. That's right. Um, I just was calling her the owl lady. Um, that's, yeah, some, so that's, I, that's some great imagery. Um, scary. It's very scary. It's all genuinely the, all the scary. animated parts of this movie are great, but then when you see her in the camera and you see her in Sam's apartment, that's great. Cameron, I remember that being one of the things that you talked to me about right after you watched this movie was you're talking about the dog killer, and then you asked me about the Alice Kiss thing. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know if I was just distracted when they were explaining it, like in the comic, and then like I just didn't get it, I guess. Like, what? who is she? Why is she? Why did she kill... What's his name? Oh, the comic guy? Like, why the she killed him? Yeah, the comic guy. And then, like... Well, yeah, the the scene in Sam's apartment specifically was, like, very scary. Because I remember, like, two nights later, I, like, got up in the middle of the night to, like, go to the bathroom or something. And I, like, looked around, like, how terrifying would it be? Because <laughs> she walks so weird. It's yeah, like and that, she, like, like, comes out of his cupboard. Like... Yeah, and then she... And then she's just in there, and he just hangs out in there, like, oh, shit. Yeah, he, like, he's what? just like in his Leave. apartment because <laughs> he can't find her in the room. When he's looking for, her, he opens up the desk drawer with the gun. He goes, <laughs> "Right, but he can't." He oh, can't yeah. find her. <laughs> I forgot about that. He points the gun in the, in the dresser drawer. <laughs> um, that would be. I mean, I guess you'd have to be. I mean, if there was a way that you couldn't, that you didn't have to be naked for it, but like that'd be a really great Halloween costume. Uh, the Elves kiss. Um, it's a cool mask. That's a very cool mask. You could just um, be naked for it. Yeah, you could just be naked, uh, you know. Or if you just wore like a nude. You could wear like nude uh, underwear and yeah. uh, be naked the rest, of, or be actually be naked. That's better too. Yeah, I I thought that that may be something that like has actual like lore behind it, like uh, that was based in something, but it seems like it was actually just they... made up for the movie. Yeah, so Byron, please please explain the owl's kiss, if so, if you could. The I mean the way the owl's kiss is explained in Under the Silver Lake is that it's like an ancient mystery uh, of a of like a a secret society of of the owl the owl's kiss where if you wrong this society or you don't follow their rules you'll be murdered by by the owl so that's that's really what they talk about they show the they show the thing on the dollar bill. They say it's printed right on our money. If you don't play the game correctly, if you don't follow the rules, 
you will be killed by the owl's kiss. Um, from what I know online is most people have thought of it like it's kind of like this, just a thing that this dude calls suicide. Like he says that like, cause what, the, one of the last things they say when they're reading the comment, when he's reading the comic about the owl's kiss is like, uh, great misfortune meets any who suffer from, who, who like great misfortune is something that uh, the person has suffered from if they do get touched by the owl's kiss. So I, I don't know if it's, if it's a, really something that I would say like it's a suicide thing because I don't know how that would really tie in to Andrew Garfield's run-in with the owl, the owl's kiss. But what, what happens right before his run-in with the owl's kiss? I'm trying to remember, but I can't. Isn't it after he runs home? No, it's not. I'm going to look at the like, plot synopsis real quick. Um, I just migrated I, I, to another room. That wasn't too yeah, much no like noise, was it? No, it's, oh, okay. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> um, <Jesus. laughs> um, but no, I mean, I can definitely see the Owl's Kiss as being something that is... Uh, I don't know. Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? Uh, I guess the owl's kiss could be, you know, indicative of a specific mindset. I guess because maybe when you are starting to, you know, because when you're starting to realize that the rules um, are there, uh, you know, less and less, are you realizing that? Or sorry, you're realizing that the rules are there more and more, and that you kind of have to abide by them. Um, I guess there is probably a a point where your resistance to to that um, uh, so you think you know, could turn in, guy, could turn into like being a, a a way of giving up. I guess. Do you think the comic guy was just he was learning too much, and that's why he got the owl's kiss? Or why did he get the owl's kiss? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think, I think, I think if we're gonna take it as a metaphor for like suicide or like if with Sam, um, like he's being visited by the Alskis, maybe it's kind of like the temptation, you know, to kind of, you know, take your own life is that you kind of get into this point where you're, you're, you're when you are noticing the rules of the game, right? You don't want to follow them, um, right? Um, but they are the rules right yeah. and you have to follow them but if you if you're resistant to them you can only be resistant to them so much i guess uh i'm just, I'm just looking at it um so after he kills the songwriter is when the owl's kiss visits him yeah so he's visited that night um and that would that would also make sense because that's right that's his biggest moment of of understanding that things are predetermined for him that he kind of is is lacking in, in free will yeah. of some sort. And I guess another thing could be like, you know, he finds out that he's about to be evicted. Like, knock on the door. Oh, you're getting evicted right now because you don't have the money. Maybe it has something to do with money because that was Kiss is like notated like on the corner of the dollar bill. So they come after people that don't have money. I don't know. That's just another thought. Rules of the game, baby. Got to play. That's what money is, I suppose. Um, Got to be paid. It is. 
Gotta get paid, bro. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> Cream, baby. Um, I'm I'm just looking through my notes and trying to see if there's anything else that I I, I wanted to touch on. So this isn't anything serious, but I think it's I do like uh, a lot of people think it's gross and that like it shouldn't be in movies, but um, I, I like that Andrew Garfield throws up like two or three times in this movie. I think it's funny. I think it's funny when people throw up on camera at movies. Uh, he throws up after eating the cookie, and he throws up kind of when he gets sprayed by the skunk. Those are oh, those he, are funny to me. He throws up good when he gets sprayed by the skunk. Yeah. All over. Oh, all what's over. what's the whole um like his mom, Joyce Joyce Gaynor? Janet Gaynor. Janet Gaynor, Janet his Gaynor? mom's favorite actress. What's up with that? I I think that might just be. I don't. I don't even really have an answer to this one. Like, I, uh, I think it's just um, showing how another way that he can lie. Yeah, he's a liar. He's he's like. He well, tells, I'm just saying. Like, he woke up like after the party her, thing at her grave, right? Woke up at her grave, and I was like, so this this must have some meaning, right? But I, I'm sure it has I some sort of meaning. Is it just? Yeah. It's well. Well, it does kind of fuck oh, me up wait. when she says that when his mom says i feel so connected to her right now and he kind of looks up and and, and, oh. and at the um, end of the i just remember the, i just because i just watched it again today at the end of the movie he's watching the janet Gaynor movie and it right. says remember to always look up not down and he looks up at the tombstone when he wakes up and it's janet Gaynor. this is this is what it is dead. you have to watch the movie twice to get the janet Gaynor connection wow got it um but I think that does kind of uh, does kind of indicate his subconscious um, kind of working, you know, him him kind of going in and out of, you know, uh, in and out of his own mind, I suppose, and kind of doing things subconsciously that we don't see on screen. Um, so I mean, that's one of them. Uh, obviously, the dog, uh, the dog killings is another. Um, but. Um, I, do you guys have anything else major that you want to say about this movie? Cameron? I don't think so. I think I touched on my most, uh, the things that I was most interested in. All right, Byron? The only other question I guess I have right now is what do you guys think that the bird is saying? Oh. I don't I think mean, that the bird is saying anything. Yeah, I haven't I, even spent enough time. I think <laughs> I like tried to listen once or twice, and I was like, eh, nothing to me. I don't I have anything. In, I don't have anything in particular that I think it's saying, but um, I think at the end it does sound like it says Oliver at one point, and the rest of the time it kind of just sounds like I don't. It's like oh yeah, like that's what it's like. Um, Apparently on the subtitles on the movie, if you buy the Blu-ray, it says Hollywood. So this is what I think the the bird kind of at the at the very end as it's squawking, I think kind of wraps up the whole idea of codes in this movie because Yes, actually this yeah. is because because this is what it is, right? It's like it is it is this movie is presenting with so many different kind of codes and, and information and it is it is on one side of the token it's very fun to get lost in that and kind of um 
try and discover all of that and try and find, try and decode things and figure out the meaning. And that's what he's doing throughout the whole entire entirety of the film. Like there's fun in that and there's um, satisfaction in, in doing that um, both there's satisfaction and just, and, you know, and, and us as a viewer, if you're someone who does want to delve into decoding these things mm-hmm. um, and that, but there's also like some form of satisfaction in, in finding out the truth, like how you see in the movie. Right. But um, on the other side of that token is just like realizing that those things are there, but also knowing that you don't need to know yeah um and you don't you don't need to understand and you can simply enjoy the secrets as secrets you know you can know that they're there without having to delve into it so that bird is kind of continuing to you know call whatever it's saying um as the movie is ending um and you can try and decipher it or not because that's it cuts I, I believe the movie cuts out as it's calling and as he's you know he's kind of staring listlessly over at his other apartment and kind of into nothingness so i think it kind of it it it, it takes both sides of those tokens in that in that in that last scene and yeah and present and, and you know kind of lets you decide like you can either keep digging or you can move or you can push through and what's perfect is when he, he asks her at the end of the movie, he asks the woman and she just says, Oh, I, I have no idea. I don't know what it's saying. <laughs> so it, it is that way of like looking at the movie, like you can either try to figure it out or you can just be like, Oh yeah, I don't know. It was just, it just does it. It just happened. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. And uh, it, it, that, that happens in the, in the bathtub scene too, when he's kind of going on and on about, about these messages and his girlfriend is like, Oh, you think that's weird? Oh, he goes. Oh, yeah, you think that's weird? <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I mean, maybe rich people just know better restaurants, you know?" That, yeah, that's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's. Like, <laughs> it's like you get you could you could dig into it as much, or you can just kind of just let it be what it is. Um, and I think both whatever you decide to do is valid, I guess. Um, I think it's a uh, if you choose to spend your time trying to decode things um and try to understand like you're going to get you're going to get so far and that's a that's a that's that's a good way to live your life i guess but there's nothing wrong with just kind of floating through Um, yeah we also uh didn't touch on the hobo code at all um which i just wanted to say is a is a real thing that i have been reading about and i'm just kind of blown away by like that (laughs) it is crazy (laughs) it's cool yeah it's very cool um i mean yeah i I don't know it feels weird to say hobo i feel like that's something that we shouldn't say Mm -hmm. um there's the hobo (laughs) yes cameron (laughs) that's not gonna fly here but hey there's the hobo king so i mean yeah. Come on. And I think that also kind of sums up the fandom as well in kind of these two camps. It's just like it's like, oh, it's just not for me, and that's fine. Or, you know, you can you can take this movie as far as you want to go with it. 
um, yeah. in your enjoyment. Like you don't, you don't like, you don't have, to, and that's the, and that's kind of the beauty, like Cameron, you were talking about like the cinematography with it. Like you don't have to get lost in the messages. You don't have to get lost in the coding and what's actually going on. You can watch this and just enjoy how yeah. good it looks. Well, I think Byron, like my friend Tristan, he watched it and he was just like, that movie fucking sucked. And I was just like, dude, but the cinematography goes, oh, everything looks fucking sick. Because Tristan's like a big uh, like photography mm-hmm. video guy. So like at least he could Yeah, yeah I'm sure he like, appreciated like the colors, you know, the set design. Um, the out- I don't know what the fuck's going on, but like this looks good. Right. The outfits, it's not major, but like I love everything that he wears. Like he looks he looks cool in everything that he wears. The t-shirt at the beginning when he's walking around in his hoodie and his striped shirt. Great stuff. You can just get <laughs> lost in that photography. You get lost in that score. Um, and you can kind of just get lost in the... You can lose yourself in the music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you want it. You... I don't know. I, don't I forget know how it goes. Um but you know you can get lost in kind of just like the meandering tone too like there's a lot of different there's a lot of different emotions that and and themes that this brings up and it's kind of while at at, one, at in some ways it's it's very cool to to it's very fulfilling to have a movie that just kind of focuses in on one thing and you can kind of make determinations about that thing um but it's another enjoyable thing to kind of just you know uh kind of have a, a a platter of things that you can pick and choose from that you want to explore or think about and that movie um this movie does that really well which i don't think that there um are too many mainstream movies any anyway that are that are doing anything like that yeah for sure So cool. Um, <laughs> um, um, so I think we're I think we're all um, I think we're tuckered out on under the Silver Lake for now. I think we think we covered everything that we want to. I, I, yeah, I think there's so much in that movie too. Like uh, we could honestly have a part two. I just need to watch it. Like uh, the more I watch it, the more I get out of it. Like I was saying at the beginning, like it's definitely rewarding in that way where yeah. every, every time you watch it, you're going to pick up on another element. You're going to find another sliver in a scene, another line, um, you know, delivery that you go, well, wait a minute. What did he say? Go back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, they did, they did, they do have like a, um, like a, a cryptography consultant on the movie. And like, that's why like, there's so much of this stuff and it's like it's there is a lot to to decode but i but i think it's by design that like you're not going to get a lot of it like you'll never you'll never you know and the movie is designed for you to keep searching and find things that maybe were put in there purposefully and maybe were not um um but um it is it, it is it was it's cool for me as a person who like who definitely as a as a kid with like a very wild imagination especially when i was when i was really young to kind of like think the same things where i was like oh i'm noticing i notice patterns and i'm um in the world and what if things aren't really you know how i think that they are and um 
What if when Vanna White looks over to the side? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I I thought about that stuff as a kid. I was like, uh, if, or maybe if, if this, or maybe, you know, like I always thought as a kid, like maybe if one thing doesn't happen the way that it's supposed to, like things will alter, you know, but there's obviously that just, you know, especially as a kid, that just kind of like works yourself into paranoia. Um, The butterfly effect essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me as a kid, it was it was kind of like that, but it was like in real time. It's just like yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I would think I was like if I like if I op- like I would stand and this is a, a weird thing that I always do as a kid. I was like if I if I I would interact with an object, right? And it's just like if I put my hand on this desk right now, like how do I know that what I do after that is the same or different as, as if I what I would do if I did not? oh yeah i think um, i yeah like you're thinking of you're thinking of life as like a like a choose your own adventure book like what if i go and do this for 20 minutes rather than doing that right and that's and that's where the that's where that kind of idea of um that kind of second guessing free will uh comes into play because i mean because when you, when you if at, i would have put first that glance, fucking peanut butter jar away when i was six years old <laughs> i'd be living in fucking new york right now and right right but it's a whole other it's a whole other trip to do it like to think about it like in real time and maybe it, maybe that's kind of narcissistic to think that you just have that kind of effect on the world and i think it is but it is narcissistic to think that um but it, it is kind of this idea of 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 how predetermined or you know your actions really are um and maybe i'm sounding like a crazy person no um, no no i totally that. <laughs> um so I think I think that that argument gets very like uh, microscopic and atomic in scale, but I think I think this movie deals with that on like a macro level. Uh, yeah, if that makes any sense. And so. that's that's what I, I appreciate this movie for because it, it it does it it does speak to that it does speak to that weird side of my brain that I that I definitely thought of like especially as a kid. And it's it's cool when you when you think of an idea that you used to have and like you see it realized on screen in some way. It's it's nice. Um so I appreciate this movie for doing that. Cameron, thank you for coming on our podcast. Wow, thank, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, Cameron. Is there anything you want to promote? Uh your podcast at this point, uh nothing. Your, your uh, wear a podcast, mask. your Snapchat. Oh yeah, that's good. Wear a mask. Uh, be safe out there. Uh, that's about it. Your SoundCloud. Nope. Your Choose Wisconsin. No. Mm, okay. Your no Twitter. Plugs. Hey, your Twitter. I'm uh, I'm on a. I can't. Uh, Got a sabbatical. Yeah, I can't do anything right now. It's okay. We understand. We understand. We won't talk about it. Right. Or maybe I'll bring it up right now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got you, bitch. Oh man, yeah, Cameron, thank you so much. You know, he's not plugging it, but I will. Cameron had a podcast called Milwaukee's Worst, MKE's Worst. I think you can still watch it on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's all on YouTube. Yeah, there's like ten episodes. Um, I'm on one with our good friend Chase, and we, we have a ball be on the show at some point. We have a ball. Yeah, we're going to talk about Tommy with him, the Who movie. But we have a ball with Cameron and uh, Julius. And, you know, 
I think that now, if you're going to bring it back, Cameron, this is the perfect time to do it. And yes, I mean, we'll come on. Don't worry. Absolutely. Wow. No, for sure, Cameron. Um, and come back anytime. I appreciate you, man. We don't we don't get uh, as many times uh, as many opportunities to to talk and stuff, but especially in these as, uh, COVID times. Especially times. in this COVID time. Especially uh, in these strange times. I'll try and think of uh, another movie that I would really like to discuss. Uh, and may and you know we'll, we'll we'll talk we'll talk we'll get some things in the works we'll get some things works no it's I'll have you, uh, you can talk to my manager we can set something up you can yeah, yeah, you sure. can email me I'll figure it out for yeah him. Byron is we'll Byron is Cameron's out. manager right we'll right, right. <laughs> all right um we will be back next week Thursday is October first Byron so ah! we need to figure out a horror movie to watch. Um, Should we let Cameron pick it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was gonna say we can let every we can let the guests pick it. We don't want the next that. person. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're gonna watch something scary, something spooky. Um, we'll see everybody next week and uh have a good have a good one. Stay safe. Stay safe, wear a mask. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.